way, I feel like I'm responding to your sermon. Um, those, it wasn't, I don't know if it was announced or made clear, but Roy's uh, mother passed away two weeks ago. The funeral was last Saturday, and uh, he got in late uh, last Saturday night, wasn't with us, and this is the first time he's been able to be with us. Uh, with his, you know, with his mother gone and being with God, so we're praying for Roy, and we are um, thankful for his heart and for his um, willingness to to share that uh, with us and to be vulnerable with us. Um, you, you you never realize how much you love somebody until you're vulnerable in front of them, and they love you anyway. They love they love. That's what church is. We are we are. Hoping not to put on masks and not to um, to uh, to pretend, but to be actual human beings who are broken, who are sad, who are devastated, who are overjoyed. But we are broken and sad and devastated and overjoyed together. Um, and that's that's just that's the key. Uh, we are in Psalm 23. If you want to open your Bible there, all the scre- all the scriptures will be on the screen. The scripture that won't be on the screen will be Luke 15. If you want to get ahead of me, you can. You can go stick your finger in Luke 15 and uh, wait for a second. Uh, It seems like every time you go through a difficult time, uh, there are people on the other side of that difficult time uh, that that are willing to help and willing to um, spend time with you. I don't know... it's always we do this with funerals in our culture. Someone someone passes away, and our thought is we're going to get together and celebrate them. But then the next question is, well, who's going to feed the family? Because you know what helps? Food helps. It makes it better sometimes. Now it's not just food. Food doesn't just help. Uh, what helps is whenever we have food with each other. Rachel and I and a lot of you are big believers in the power of the table. We think a lot can happen for your family and for your fellowship and for your friends around a table. If you put food on a table and eat together, that has power. And so what we do often... uh, is with funerals, as we say, well, we're going to feed the family. And so at the funerals at 2, we had the family over here at noon, and people have brought food, and they lay it out. And it's just this, this smorgasbord of options. And you get to, you get, they get, the family goes through, and they, they, they get the food. And what you'll notice in those times is that it's not the saddest of atmospheres. I don't know if you've ever been in one of these places or had a funeral where you went and, you, and the uh, church fed you before, but when you sit around and eat, there's usually more laughing than crying in that venue, in that forum. Now, why? Why is there more laughing about, like, uh, the, the first big funeral I ever went to was my grandfather's funeral. Uh, Papa. Uh, and he... He was a fantastic guy, and we were really sad that he was gone. But the stories that can be told about Papa are just too many to count. 
stories that are just hilarious that I think he would haunt me if I told some of them now. And so we, we, I love Papa, and we were so sad that he was gone, but when we sat and ate the meal, we just laughed about Papa. Almost, almost, and you feel guilty, almost at him. Things we wouldn't laugh about with him in the room, we were laughing. We now know he understands why we think it's funny. But there's this joy about who they were and what they did and what kind of person they, uh, they were to their kids and to their spouse. Papa uh, nicknamed my grandmother Susie Q and would get up just in the middle of a conversation and say, come on, Susie, and just walk out. This was a problem is because their dog was also named Susie. Susie Q, as a matter of fact. And they had had the dog long before he nicknamed her that. So we never knew what to do with that. We just let it ride. Just let it happen. So we told these stories and ate this meal and felt this comfort. We just think that that's... What happens when you lose somebody is, is, is that you feel this disconnect from them as a human. You will never see them again until God comes. In this current reality, we will never see them again. And what the meal does is it often reminds us that I'm seeing plenty. I have, my plate is full. I am overwhelmed with, uh, I had about seven guesses as to about what was about to happen. <laughs> and that was the best one. Uh, so there is a, uh, whew, all right, so. He could have given me a hug. That would have been fantastic, too. He's a great hugger. Um, kind kid. But there, uh, there, there, is, there is so much to remind us. We, we, were, we are reminded in, this, in those settings when we eat and when we laugh and when we tell stories and when we experience each other in, in those settings. We are lifted up out of the pain, even if it's just for a moment. So... The, the psalmist, David, here says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And this is what we talked about last week. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So whatever it is we go through, whatever it is we are afraid of, whatever it is is daunting and looking us square in the face, we know that the things that God brought to the fight are bigger than the things our enemy brought to the fight. We should not be afraid. But what happens after? After the battle, after the valley, after the, the, the sadness and the depression and the fear, what happens? 
afterwards. You prepare a table before me, God, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. See, what we get here is this odd transition in the psalm. It's an odd transition because at the first it's talking about you are my shepherd. And it gives these very shepherd analogies. And then you think, well, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd is going to fear no evil because the rod and the staff, they comfort. But all of a sudden the sheep are sitting at a table. Which is not a very good shepherd imagery. Sheep don't do that. They don't use cups. And so David here has transitioned actually very nicely with the valley idea because the valley can be a problem for sheep and soldiers. For sheep and travelers, for anybody. Fear is a problem for all. And so what we have here is the imagery of whenever you've gone through a long journey, a difficult journey, and you, you are done with it, you come to the master's house and he welcomes you. Your cup overflows. He anoints your head with oil. Uh, it, that's one of those old customs that we don't know anything about. Uh, when you anoint someone's head with oil, it was either to heal them, to help with their wounds. That could, that, it could be medicinal. But it also was, if you had been on a long journey, you got your head anointed with oil because um, they didn't have right guard back then. This helped you uh, not smell so bad. It was a custom that welcomed you into their house, healed the wounds, and also helped them not smell so bad. And the same thing with washing feet. We say, well, there's sand. Well, not just sand. They rode camels. It was a tough job washing feet. And it wasn't the sand that made it so. I'm just saying. It's facts. So they would wash their feet. They would anoint their head with oil. So sometimes we go and we anoint people with oil and we wash their feet and we just make them uncomfortable. All it's saying is make people feel welcome. Do for them something that is worth doing. So he says, you anoint my head with oil. You welcome me in. I sit, my enemies are pressing in on me, but the Lord puts me at his table and my head is anointed with oil and my cup overflows. God sets me down at the table of healing when I come out of the valley of fear. And you're going to have these moments. You really are. You're going to have the moments of where you are afraid, where you're in the valley of the shadow of death. When it feels like death is winning. And there's always the moments afterward where you can go to God. Even during, you can go to Him for comfort. But we need to be better at going to God for victory. When we've made it through and we... Yes, yes, we have lost a loved one. Yes, I have been diagnosed. Yes, I am looking for employment. 
And we pray to God and we pray to God and say, God, please take, take care of me. Be with me. Help me not to be afraid. Give me strength. Give me courage. And then we go and we have courage and we have strength and the thing is overcome. And then we think, wow, well, I'm back to myself. Good thing I was strong. Good thing I made it. When God is offering us so much more than just self-satisfaction. God is offering us so much more than just being proud of ourselves for sticking through it and sticking with it. He's offering us a table. He's offering us a place where we can find comfort and we can find rest from our brokenness. From our, from our, our despair and from our, uh, our depression. Do we find rest and comfort in the, in the throne room in the, at the table of God? There's this, there's this wonderful story, and uh, Cade Richards, if you were here when he preached, he talked about this. Uh, I, I watched the video. He did a great job. Um, so we won't dive deep into it, but you, we all know the story. Uh, Luke 15, uh, there is, Jesus tells three stories. One about a coin that is lost, another about a sheep that is lost, and another about a son that is lost. And the son says to his father, I would like uh, my portion of the um, inheritance so that I can go make my new life. Um, it's not as damaging as, it's not, he's not saying he wishes his father was dead. He's just saying, the oldest son's going to get the farm. I'm not going to get in it. Can I go ahead and start investing my money? And he went and he wasted it away. Finds himself in a um, serving pigs and sleeping where they sleep and wanting to eat what they eat. Which if you're a Jew... That's a big deal um, that you don't want that to happen. Because pigs were a, a very unclean animal. And so you're, you're, um, he finds himself in the worst of places and says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to just, I'm going to go tell my dad I'm sorry. I sinned. I've wasted my money. I've sinned against you and against God. I, I will, and I will be your servant. Because the servants at my dad's house get treated better than I'm getting treated right now. So I'm going to go get a job at my dad's place of employment. While this is still a far way off, the father ran to his son. And, and the son starts into a speech and says, Oh, father. And so you, can, you can't tell it because the, the story is so... It, well, the dad said this, and the son said this, and the dad said this. But it almost feels like the dad is just speaking over the son, not completely ignoring what he's saying. He says, Dad, I, he falls on his face. He says, Dad, I've sinned against you. He says, Get up. Get up. Hey, get A. And his, the whole time he's saying, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against your, your, your servants. And he's, you know, the kids, he's just, he's, he's groveling to his dad. And his dad, the whole time, completely ignoring anything the son is saying, says, Says, hey, get a, get a, we need a ring and a fat cow. Get the fattest one. And we need, I want a crown and get a robe to put on his feet. Prepare something. Get him cleaned up. He smells awful. And, I, and, and we're going to grab everybody I know. Everybody I know. And we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate my son coming out of the valley that he came out of. We're going to celebrate my son coming home. And when he comes home, it's not to a dad who looks down on him and says, says, well, you learned something, didn't you? It's a it's, he's coming home to a dad that says, oh my goodness, you're home. 
Grab a cow, grab a ring, grab a throne. We're going to set him on it. We're going to celebrate the fact that he's home. We're going to have fruit and dip and stuff. And and we're going to put a movie on. And it's going to be the best thing. Dad's just party planning off the top of his head. The son, the older son, who's been good the whole time, walks up later and says, says, um, and here's the commotion. Here's the commotion. A lot of times our parties don't have commotions. We're not used to, Church of Christ people aren't used to commotion parties. (laughs) So, we're not quite, he walks up and, you know, there's something coming from the, from the, from the building. And he said, what's going on in there? Something was going on in the house so fantastic that he walked up and asked someone outside, what's going on in there? And they said, your brother came home and they're throwing a party for him. Well, why would they do that? Well, because he came home. Jesus' point in this parable is to point out that the brother, the older brother, is not doing the work of God. See, a lot of times, whenever people come out of their valleys, when people come out of their hardships and their trials, even if, especially when, those hardships and those trials were of their own doing, they woke up, because they had spent all their money and they were in that, they were face down in the dirt and they knew it was themselves that put them there and they come groveling back. Oftentimes, our response is like, well, we'll just see. God is throwing a party for the people who are coming back to Him. And we are the stiff-necked people who stand outside and say, well, I don't know if they deserve it. Quit being a jerk in the name of Jesus. Everyone who is welcome can come to Christ. Everyone who is lost can come home. And we need to be the sort of people who are throwing the parties for everyone who comes back. We need to be the sort of people who love our party so much that God threw for us, even though we didn't really deserve it. Even though we didn't really deserve it, we need to be the ones who are throwing parties for other people. Listen, I I don't have a good story. A good Christian, like a good Christian story. I'd go to church camp when I was a kid. And they would, tell, they would tell stories about going off to college and losing their faith. And they would wake up in a bathroom stall in Georgia. And they don't even know how they got there. And there was like these fantastic stories they would tell. And they would, that's when I knew. And I heard, I heard God say to me, get up, go home. And I would go home and they'd have this. I don't know. I, just, I went to a Christian school and I started being a preacher. That's my story. <laughs> Baptized when I was 12. Kind of stuck with it. Like, I don't have, like, this really fun story to tell. And I think that's, that's actually been kind of nice. But what do you do if, you don't, if you've never just sort of ran off and ran back? What's your job? Your job is to party plan for the people that are coming back. 
Your job is to be filling the cup that's overflowing. If God has blessed you with a life where you have, you have been consistently in His favor, then if you use that to become a haughty jerk of a person, you are failing what He has blessed you with. But if instead you use the blessings that God has given you and you think, I'm going to pour that in on someone, my cup has always overflowed. I've never known a day when my cup didn't overflow. So when people come back not knowing that day, when they've gone through their valleys, when they've had the fear and when they've had the trials and they now need comfort, I'm going to be the one filling their cup. God's going to fill their cup, but he's going to use my hands to pour And so what I need from you guys and what you guys need from me is to be the server at the table of the party. When people go through the valley of the shadow of death and find themselves at the end in the house of God, sitting at their master's table, eating and drinking and being served, we need to be the ones serving. If you're going through the valley of the shadow of death right now, I want you to know two things. The things God brought to the fight are bigger than things your enemy brought to the fight. My enemy's death. God whooped death with his stuff. Secondly, I want you to know that we are here for you. We recognize that God threw a party for us, so we're going to throw a party for you. Praise God when you overcome. Praise God when he brings you through. Now, it's tough with things, like, with things like death. You almost feel guilty getting over it. Someone you love passed away. And you go through this process and you, you, it hurts and it's painful. And you're, you, 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 you really kind of try to, you deny it at first. And then you try to um, kind of negotiate things with God. And you're angry and then you're super sad. And then at the end, you kind of come to acceptance. And one of the things that kicks in is, is this guilt. Well, I, I feel guilty for being okay. I would say this. If you've, ever, if you've ever come to that point, know that God has led you through those emotions. That's a built-in system for you. God has led you through those emotions. And when you get to the, I feel guilty for being okay... The person you're grieving would hate that for you. Does that make sense? The person you've been grieving would hate that you feel guilty for feeling okay. If God has comforted you, be comforted and praise God. Don't feel guilty. But also know that in the end, it's God that fills the cup. God that causes, calls us to celebrate his victory, his triumph over every bad thing that we could possibly imagine. Death, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, whatever, poverty, hunger, God has and will conquer. He will. We've seen him do it on small scales before. He'll come back. He'll do it on a big scale. We're confident in that. So celebrate this week. Not just your own return, but the return of others. That's what can get Christians so 
messed up. Because we're, we're, we are so excited about our, our own return and that God celebrates us, but we're kind of iffy about those other people. Who invited the other people to the party? Same one that invited you. Come on. You're wasting time not partying. You can quote me on that. You're wasting time not partying. You're wasting time not celebrating what God has done for you and what he has blessed you and celebrating that with other people while you, when you see God do that for them. So be a people who not only love, but love so much that you celebrate others. The return of others. We're not, I'll end on this, we're not that great with bad news. Because there's a part of us that enjoys it a little bit. I know you're in church. Don't nod. And you won't—you wouldn't say out loud that you enjoyed it, but there's, maybe there's some people in your life that you heard some bad things about, and you think, "Well, I kind of just knew that." Kind of puffs you up and feel pretty good about that. And if you were to hear that that news that you heard wasn't as bad or wasn't even true, then then you would think, "What? Hmm." Are you disappointed that it wasn't as juicy as you thought? If that's the case, you're probably not very good at celebrating. Not very good at partying when God throws a party. And you're not very good at filling the cup of others. You want to be a church that serves God's purposes in this world? then when God's purposes occur, when God celebrates, we too must celebrate with everything we have. So much so that when people walk up, they wonder what all the commotion is about. We need to get better at commotion celebrations. And we need to get better at celebrating our own. I always wonder about the... the the lost son, when he's there on the ground, the father's getting him up, hollering about stuff. I always wonder what he does. Because at some point, he just went, yeah, okay. You know, he's in there, eating steak. Just at some point, just said, well, yeah, I'll do that. I mean, if you're, if you're gonna, so I get to be a son? Yeah, I'll wear that ring. That's a nice ring. That big of a cow? My goodness, how many people are you inviting? Everybody? Sure. At some point, he had to accept that he was forgiven and that God was excited about it. I want you to know this morning that if you're in that valley, if it's a valley of your own choosing, you come home, you're forgiven, and God's excited about your forgiveness. God does not begrudgingly forgive his people. So when you come home, he is going to throw a party and you need to let him. And if today's the day that you're going to come home, today's the day where you're going to come to him for the first time, then we're going to celebrate it with you. And you may be sad, but know that God, while you throw yourself at his feet, does not spend time or waste time making you feel worse. God's going to get you up and kill a fatted calf and let 
you have a party. We will celebrate your return. We will celebrate your coming to Jesus wholeheartedly. We might just cause a commotion. But if you want to come to Jesus, if you want to come back home, or if you want to, if you just need prayers about accepting someone else who's come to Jesus, whatever it is that you need, we will pray for you. We will pray with you. We will walk with you as your church. Please come forward while we stand and sing.